Hello, and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 424, and I'm your host, Joshua Blum. And today is part two of the mini-series that we started last week with my brother on building 30 Minutes Missions robot kits. So this particular week's episode, we wrap up the whole discussion, but it also goes in a direction that it just starts to become a little bit more like uh, metaphysical almost, um, or sort of psychological in that it's all about sort of the meaning behind the the building of things and the abilities that go into that and like developmental kinds of things that make it harder for children versus adults or people who have more difficulty with visual spatial abilities versus others. I mean, it's you know, a lot of that changes as you get older and so forth. So I think we both agreed that these kits, I mean, they're meant for you to put together in 30 minutes. That's sort of where the name comes from. Now, it did take us longer because it was the first time doing it. But I think that's 30 minutes for an adult or 30 minutes for at least as someone who is pretty familiar with it. And uh, but I think for a child, I mean, they, they would be much more would probably take longer and you may need some help with it like say from a parent or somebody like that who's kind of familiar with what you do in with models just in sort of in general how you pop them out of the little plastic frames and how you like you know you may trim the the sprues the, like the flashing uh, little things like that where if you've done a few of these things you kind of just appreciate what you're supposed to do but if you have no idea you've never done any of these before it probably would take you a while. In our case, I mean, I had had experience doing this, but it still took us a while to kind of figure out the instructions and then kind of get the hang of how everything snapped together. So I remember when I was a kid, I got one, for one birthday, I got a model car and it was unique in that it was the first one that I had ever seen where you didn't need glue. Up to that point, you, you generally always needed glue and it, it would be it was pretty much the one that I, what you could always get in like Kmart. It was, it was testers model glue and it had a, I think the reason they stopped smell, uh, selling this is because people would sniff it. Sniffing glue that is bad, you know, as if you've ever watched the airplane movies or just know anybody who did that. I think that was like a, th it was probably a thing, right? In the eighties, like people huffing, you know, like whiteout and uh, model glue and all that kind of stuff like that. It's harder to get these things now, but it was available all over the place and you could use it for making models. The glue would, it, of course, it did have a smell, a very chemically um, kind of smell, but it would be in, you could use it for model, like plastic models. And I do seem to recall that in certain kinds of plastics, it did not, it would actually degrade the plastic, um, which already kind of gives you a clue that's maybe not the best stuff but then you could also use a similar kind of uh, substance for making models out of wood so if you uh, i had a couple of those that were they were model airplanes so uh, they were balsa wood balsa is a very thin light wood uh, and you you would cut the little pieces out with an exacto knife and then you would have to basically put the instructions down on uh, a piece of wood, and then you would cover those with something like a, like a piece of wax paper or saran wrap. And then you would actually literally put the, the little balsa wood pieces right on over, and it would have like, like a template of what you were supposed to do. And you would, instead of tracing, you would basically put the overlay the the pieces on there and pin them in place with a like little tiny little like bobby pins 
and it had a little ball peen hammer that would tap them down in there. And then you would glue, once you had everything together, you would glue them together. And then when you were all done, you would have the frame of a wing or a fuselage or whatever. And so anyway, that was what that glue was for. But I got this one, it was a Corvette, and all you had to do was snap it together. And that was kind of a new thing. So that was coming out right around the time I was probably, it was like late 80s. But anyway, we had this whole discussion about all this kinds of stuff. And it was really interesting where, where it went. So sit back, enjoy, and then if you have a chance, you know, watch some giant robot cartoons. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, well, this is a pretty expansive line. Um, good for beginners. I mean, geared towards beginners, but still has what seems to be a pretty strong following amongst more experienced gunpla builders because mm. of the fact that you can customize them, which I think is a cool combination. So easy to build if you're just starting out. Um, lots of options to customize if you want that level of advancement. And um, and I don't know if you want to talk about the the background story. There is a little story behind I, I the was models. Yeah, so it comes with a little story in the instructions, which I can actually read. Yeah. Uh, I, it You may have more understanding of this, but it says a few decades had passed since an interspatial portal suddenly appeared in Earth's orbit, an event which was later known as the Skyfall Incident. Conflict still plagued the world, but a birth of a certain weapon drastically changed modern combat tactics. The appearance of the Examax uh, which stands for Extended Armament and Module Assembly or Assemble and Combine System, quickly changed the world's military bounds. 2XXX, I'm not sure what that means, is drawing to a close. Oh, maybe like the year the, the 2000. Oh, yeah, the year 2000. Yeah, it's like Mega Man. The year 20XX, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another uh, interspatial portal has appeared on Earth's orbit, and what emerged from the gate was an alien species from the planet uh Bellion. <laughs> Bellion, good name. Which closely resembled Earthlings. The Bellion forces began attacking countries with their machines named the Portanova, which also resembled Earth's X-Max units. And the warring countries came together to form the Earth Alliance forces. And the war between the Earth Alliance forces and the Bellion forces has just begun. Years have passed since the war began. The battle intensified and a new gate suddenly appeared over the battlefield. Mysterious units that were on neither side emerged and launched in an indiscriminate attack. So I guess there's like it's different ways. There's like a three-way fight going yeah. on right now. Three different groups are fighting. There's like yeah. the Earth Alliance forces. So a faction formed by bringing together the military power of each country to counter the hostile forces suddenly launched an attack on the from the gate. And uh, X-Max developed by Cyrus, an IT company, is the cornerstone of the military power. And the Balion forces is a mysterious force that invaded Earth from the, palette, from the planet Balion. They use military weapons similar to the Earth Alliance forces, such as X-Max units and extended armament vehicles and aim to take over other planets. And then there's the Maxion forces, a third force from Maxion that intervene in the battlefields where the Earth Alliance forces and Balion forces were fighting. They retain military power, but that far surpasses the uh, the two forces, easily took control of the battlefield. So I think the one I got is the uh, is the Maxion one. Yeah, you got the you got the the ninjas are the third the third guys that came oh, okay. in. Yeah, I think yeah. I believe the third faction that came in and started to f everything up. 
Yeah, and the one that I got, the Shield Nova figure, is the um from the Balion. So we actually technically both choose the chose the non Earthlings, like oh, the Invaders. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh the Earth Earth Federation, those models are I think they're called Alto. It's like the starting line, and we both chose different ones. So I chose like the second group of invaders um that yeah. came that came through the sky after Skyfall, and you chose the the third group. And so basically it's like a three-way fight between three different factions. And I mean the story's not particularly deep. It's more like the thing that you kind of a thing that you put together on the reading the back of the model kits and stuff like that. But it's enough to kind of yeah. um generate affinity for a particular faction. Um and I think that's the idea. Uh okay, we're gonna release models that fall under this faction's purview and you might want to collect all the ones that belong to the Earth Federation or the uh by uh the uh, the bylon forces and whatnot. Yeah, so this other one that I got, the one that transforms, this one actually transforms. This oh, one nice. It's like, kind of like a, a Robotech thing, which transforms into different things. So this was like it's a robot, like stand-up robot, and then transforms into some kind of plane or something. So I don't know if that's the Earth one or whatever, but... It'll probably stay on the back the somewhere. Have, they're mostly like just figures. I don't know, does yours transform into something? Mine doesn't transform. Mine is just like a standard fighter, I think. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff you can put in their hands, which gives them, or like, uh, like this one, you can stick like these um, things on the shoulders, like shoulder pads, and then it has like a bunch of blades that you can stick in there. So, yeah, the accessories are cool. Mine only has a gun, but mine has uh, a lot of accessories that I've seen attached to it in in photos online, social media yeah. pictures, and stuff. So. So I, I'm, I might end up buying some of those once I'm, once we're settled over here and I have a proper yeah. house to display this crap in, I will probably buy some of those. Because just looking at the accessories is really fun. I saw these, I shared a picture with you, but there's some accessories where you can, you can attach these like claws that extend from the body. And it looks like they've just got like chompers like coming out of their dog okay. region. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you were making this, I mean, I don't, I don't recall. Did you make, models as a kid i don't really remember you so i i did not make models as a kid this is a new hobby for me um i got frustrated whenever it came to building something as a kid i even struggled with legos yeah um and and part of me still struggles a little bit with legos but i've warmed up to them recently and and i think part of the reason i'm even have, have even gotten into building models um in recent years is some of it is sort of spillover from the fact that I got really into role-playing games and looking, painting miniatures and looking at miniatures. Right. That's sort of a, an add on to the role-playing game scene. And once you kind of get your head around that, then you sort of get the head, your head around doing other things with your hands. Yeah. And I just felt like doing more things with my hands, building yeah. something that I can look at, like a little dude that I can hold. Cause I've right. always liked toys. I've always liked toys, but building things I've struggled with. Um, and, that's what made me gradually get interested in robots. Plus, I just kept seeing cool designs on social media. Yeah. And I was always intimidated because, you know, building a Gundam might take a while and might be 40 hours expensive. or whatever. 40 yeah. hours, yeah, it might be it's very expensive. Good. But then I found these and I liked the designs and then I sent it to you and, you know, you you were kind enough to get some and then we built them together. And now I found I really enjoy it. So yeah. this is this is all very new for me. Um, You know, you have a lot of experience building models and even making your own toys now and so it's it's i'm I'm like you said a while ago that i'm sort of following in the footsteps of your childhood i've 
I've spent a lot of time with various nieces and nephews over this year because we yeah. visited both sides of the family. I've spent a lot of time playing with Legos, yeah. model <laughs> little cars like Matchbox and Hot yeah. Wheels cars and stuff like that. And after a while, like I was just looking at Matchbox and Hot Wheel cars. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like honestly, like try, kind of kind of yeah. getting into them. Yeah. And so I find myself sort of gravitating towards these things that I wasn't into before. Um, and it's it's an interesting, maybe, uh, I don't know, second childhood or kind of having an appreciation for things that I got frustrated with before. Because right. yeah. I used to get very frustrated with Lego as a kid because I had trouble building things. And I remember I, I, I was not able to just use the blocks to create something. And I still can't really do that. Um, you were able to do that, but I struggle. My brain doesn't work in in that way. Like, yeah. can't translate the blocks into a structure. I don't have. I'm not able to see things in a three dimensional space, and I often don't know how to make something that I felt looked good. And yeah. for me, that would just frustrate me. And so, right. I'm still not really there with Legos yet. Like, I could probably buy a model and follow the instructions and build them. But I think these 30 minute missions gave me something that I thought looked cool, something that didn't take too long to build, something that I was able to feel accomplished when I finished. And 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 that I think is is something that will probably grow as I continue doing more of this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Legos are so expensive. Um and yeah, so I mean, I, the the the, yeah. the barrier to entry, I mean it, it was I, I I don't know if it was quite like that when we were kids. I mean but... a lot of those a lot of those big Lego sets are made for adults. Like you can build like a Lego set of the Eiffel Tower and that, that's for adults. No kids yeah. can do that. Yeah. Uh I mean, I, you know, I, I, like I, you know, I said, I grew up making models of all bunch of things and it was just like, it was a thing that just kids did, I think more of then, but with plastic ones and the balsa wood airplanes and all that kind of stuff like that. But, um, and maybe it was just also influence of our father because that was definitely like a 1950s thing to do. It was like, uh, you know, make a, make a, make an airplane out of wood and cover it in tissue paper and, you know, all that kind of stuff was just, yeah, it was much more accessible then. It was just much more affordable, and it was also there was more people that did it, and so it was not hard to find in your local. You, now you have to go to like a quote unquote hobby store, and they charge you premium yeah. prices. But it was yeah. just like you know the equivalent. I mean, there was no. I don't think there was a Walmart then, but I mean, in, like in Kmart, you know, they just find it. It was just like a generic kind of thing that uh, you could go to Kmart and buy, buy a model, yeah. like your local, like five and dime kind of store, like whatever the equivalent of that. I mean, it doesn't even exist anymore, I think, but um, that was, that was just sort of a thing. And um, so I think this, this, this is kind of like an extension of that in kind of a, almost like a premium kind of package. Cause this is, cause uh, you know, like I mentioned those little kits that I would get at the, at the Asian grocery store, those things were, it was more like you would make it and uh, you, it was harder to really play with it in the same mm -hmm. way that you could play with like a, a transformer or something like that. It didn't transform. Once mm -hmm. you made it, it was pretty much, that was pretty much it. And so as a kid, there was kind of a, there was a, a ceiling to what you could do with it, right? Because if you played with it too hard, it would break. It was, the, the plastic wasn't that strong. And that, unfortunately, probably what happened in most of those cases, like we made those models and stuff like that. And I wanted to play with it and move it around. And unfortunately, the pieces would get lost because they were they were, they were meant to fit together. But to a, a six or seven-year-old, you know, you're kind of rough on your toys. And so yeah. things will come apart. And then you may not necessarily have the coordination to get them all back together in the same way. 
So I think that was a bit of a frustration and why so few of those things survived my childhood. Yeah. You can look at this, the stuff that I, I do have still and it's worn, you know, it's, I, I, I used it. I have one that I think I, one that, one that's relatively pristine, because I think it was, um, I don't think it was from my childhood. I think I, it was a double or something like that, that I, it's this guy. This Is that a, a Godmar figure? No. no, it's just a Gobot. It's, 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 it's just Gobot, a yeah. train. And I think, I don't remember what the name is for this one in, maybe it's it's it may in fact be train or 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 loco i think it's loco as is the gobot's name oh, okay. but this is the one that it, it transforms into a little uh sort of european looking locomotive and that we were walking through chinatown uh when i was like five or something like that um it was before, it was before you were born and we saw this and it was it was the original japanese import it was the machine robo one it came in a little like matchbox type of box mm-hmm. And uh, I, I still have that one, actually, but that one, all the paint is worn off and everything like that. And so at some point I got another one, I must have, but that that one I didn't play with. And so that one has survived relatively intact, but um, most of the others, like all the joints and stuff like that are worn and most of the parts are broken because I, you know, I used them. And uh, so the model kits, you know, had a, had an appeal, I think, like, you know, but to a younger kid, I, they would be much harder to to really appreciate, I think it'd be like, oh, I... so I, I, uh, I think it, it would probably, by the time I became like a teenager and could really kind of do this stuff, um, that the, the world wasn't so much, at least the States wasn't so much into robots. Yeah. It had mm-hmm. gone to a sort of a niche kind of like, okay, this is anime and that kind of stuff like that. And now the, I, I don't think it was quite as accessible from a mainstream point of view. Mm-hmm. Right, you had to kind right. of know like you had to like okay you had to know like as you pointed out you had to know like okay this is going to wing and stuff like that but i don't i don't recall it being just as popularly accessible as say like transformers were you know 10 years before yeah 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 i think um yeah it's sort of a change in how this sort of media was consumed and how accessible it was to to people and, and the internet certainly helped uh broaden the accessibility and the appeal of, of of Japanese animation in general. But I, I think there definitely was a change there as video games became more popular, these yeah. other activities like building models and whatnot kind of would fall by the wayside unless you were already in the know. Yeah, sure. Um yeah. and yeah, even these these 30 minute missions is you know, these these are for adult collectors, not really kids. Um but I've I've kind of really enjoyed uh, redis not really rediscovering but discovering, and I'm just on the tip of the iceberg. This hobby that I knew existed, but I don't know, maybe felt like wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, felt a little intimidated by, and 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 I feel like this is the start of 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 something cool, and I that goes for maybe rediscovering old robot shows in general and and toys from our youth like right like god mars and whatever the other one is called die tarn three and whatnot like i <laughs> i find myself much more interested in this stuff now and part of it is maybe just i'm at an age now where i want to do more physical tactile things but it's also likely because spending so much little time with kids and like seeing the things they play with and be wanting to play with something too i don't yeah. know like, like what, what why why do you feel like you've gotten into making your own toys 
over the last couple of years. Josh. I think it's exactly the same thing. It's like, you yeah. know, you want something physical and uh, it looks different after you have done it. You can hold it in your hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was actually the whole reason I, I got into uh, all of this stuff to begin with is like, you know, a yeah. story, 13th hour. And then it was just words on a computer screen. That's how right. I read it. And I would try to do things that make it more physical, like I would draw pictures and stuff like that. But in order to get it into the book, they had to become digitized. And then at the end of it, you know, I had this digital ebook, or a di- like it was just a Word document, I guess. And I was like, well, that's cool, but I really want something I could hold in my hand. And um, and then so I, you know, you probably remember, like I, I spent like basically a summer printing it out laboriously, mm-hmm. one page at a time. You know, mm-hmm. like, and you print out the odd pages and you flip them over and they, you try to get them so that they, oh, God, even, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And that most of the time didn't work and the printer would run out of ink and trying to make the cover, all this kind of stuff like that. Just so I could have one copy that I could hold and say, like, well, th- this is, this is what it was. Right. And so at the time, there was no such thing as self publishing. Well, I, I mean, there was, but I mean, it was very, very expensive. Vanity publishing, I guess it was called, because they assumed that if you know you wrote a book and you just wanted it to have so you could show people, look, I wrote a book. And no, <laughs> but I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, I do get that that sort of thing because you, you know you want something physical, like you you can say like, hey, look, look, look at this. But for me, it was it was a tactile thing, and I kind of wanted to be able to flip through the pages, which is still, I have to say something I struggle with when it comes to reading a book or anything on a computer screen is that you, oh, me too. Me too. you lose the ability to just kind of scan through the pages very quickly uh, and, and flip through them kind of like flip book style and yeah, look at the too. illustrations, look at the words in that particular way. It's just not quite the same. Yeah. And so um, I think that was, it was just an extension from that, that eventually went into music and went into things that were actually more physical. Cause even at the end of the day, music, uh, even if you make a CD or a, a tape or whatever you need, it, it's, it's still like a, it's not, it's not the, the actual medium the music it's cause you're listening to it. It's not actually something you can hold. Right. And so I mm-hmm. think from there yeah. the boys came because like, well, I wanted something that was physical that you could manipulate in your hands and uh, I find ultimately I, I sort of find that I mean, I've always liked doing stuff with my hands. So it's not surprising that it would gra- you know gravitate towards like toys and things like that. But mm-hmm. I find yeah. that process much more kind of satisfying, in some ways. therapeutic, therapeutic yeah. in some ways, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for me, I, I, I haven't always liked doing things with my hands. I mean, when I was in the Cub Scouts, I was scared to whittle with a knife because I was afraid I'd cut myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it, so it's it's new for me, and I think it's just the combination of, I don't know, it, it maybe my interests changing as I get older, yeah. but also some of it is probably due to the fact that when I lived in Asia for almost ten years, I lived in these tiny spaces. I didn't have room for any physical objects. Right, I had to right, give right. up all physical things, which is digital. Couldn't really own books. Had to go for eBooks. Um, couldn't own you know toys. I always liked toys um to look at and to play with but i I really couldn't own too many of those because they would get broken in transit right and so some of you know when i moved back to america i just started buying tons of stuff because (laughs) i just wanted to have things i wanted to have bits 
yeah. things that I could look at. And, you know, Frankie, my wife, she does that too. We, we have a lot of random bits, like, yeah. like fidget toys and things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Even more so now, because we just sort of, I don't know, embrace this, this, this form of behavior. And I, I find it very satisfying to have lots of bits and things that I can hold and when I couldn't for so many years. Um, and so I think it's a byproduct of that. And also maybe the general the appreciation and nostalgia that I developed for a lot of things that emerged in maybe before I was born or, or existed when I was a kid, but I was not able to really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and sure. that includes things like Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing right. games. Like I knew they existed, but was did not have friends to play them with, did not really understand how to play them with. Um, gotten into those, the models and miniatures thing. Like we always thought that looked cool, but right. didn't really know what to do with it. And robots and models, like you had them, um, and I sort of enjoyed a tertiary experience where I was surrounded by them, but I never really got into them. And when I built Legos, it was always a sense of frustration in that I didn't want to follow the instructions, but at the same time, I didn't want to. I did, was not able to build something on my own. And I would get frustrated because I think I would, I don't know, compare it to the picture or compare it with something you could build. And, and I would just get mad. I would get mad at the process. Yeah, yeah. It's not for me. And I think that is ease as I've gotten older. And I think I'm free to maybe define my own enjoyment of these things now that I have people I can play games with. I have, you know, uh, the freedom to to buy little models and and and, and build them on my own. Well, obviously, I, not now because we're still in transit at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, eventually, I sure, will. Sure. And it, it's it's just different now. So I think it's it's similar to your experiences, but colored by my own, you know, uh, the, the own things that I've gone through, my, my own yeah. things that I've gone through in life. You know, I remember one of the struggles I had as a kid. Like you mentioned, the Legos and these model kits. I would just want to start making stuff. Uh, and I remember with the Lego um, kits and stuff like that. I didn't have that many of them, but the idea of following the instructions was sort of a, that was like an act of discipline. I would just want to start yeah. combining the pieces and making things. Well, that's really cool. I was never able to do that. I was always envious of you. Um, and for being able to do that, actually, I think there might be some weird pressure in like our household. Cause mom and dad used to be like, Oh, have, have Jeremy play with Legos. He'll learn how to build things like his brother, but I can never do it. Like you could. And maybe I think that turned me off the activity. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. That might have that might have turned me off the activity actually, because I don't know. Maybe it was some subconscious competition, or maybe just frustration on my own inabilities. Because I would, I would just try to mash the blocks together, and I'd just be able to build like a bigger, bigger mash of blocks. And yeah. I couldn't create something that looked um, sensible. Well, you know, it was it was it, following the instructions for, for for me felt very limiting. And so the idea of like and this was always my struggle as a child when it came to making a model is I would just want to start like I didn't want to read these. Yeah. <laughs> I would just want to like combine the pieces yeah. together and it would, of course, not look right. So that yeah. was an area of frustration, I think, for me. So I remember when um, when I started making model airplanes out of balsa wood, mm-hmm. very tedious process. Uh, and uh, I'm surprised I was able to at least make some, but uh, there I remember trying to, okay, I, I was going to like try to put myself in a uh, a 1950s mode, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the illustrations and everything like that were, were dated, you know, like 
from at least the 70s, you know, more like they were like photocopies of things that were probably put out in the 60s and 50s. And I was like, all right, let's be like a good kid and follow the instructions step by step by step. And it was really hard. I remember to do that. I would want to just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I so I I struggle with I struggle with just freestyling it. But I also would struggle with following directions because I would feel like it would be it would be take a long time. Yeah. And there was a brief period where I did kind of get a little a little bit more into Legos and follow the instructions. But I felt like it took a long time. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like I couldn't do either. Um, I felt more comfortable with that discipline, like telling me what to do, because I was like, at least I can follow these things and build something that looks like what's on the box. Yeah. But it took too long. Yeah. And so that's why I never really got into Legos or just models in general. And I feel like now as an adult, I I still can't really freestyle and build things out of nothing. But I don't mind following these instructions for something like this as much. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's true for you. Like, how did you feel following the instructions for the, these thirty minutes? No, I thought it was fine. I mean, once yeah. you kind of got the hang of it, like um, because these these instructions here are not. Um, there's no words or anything like that. So you just follow the instructions and piece together. Yeah. So once you kind of get the hang of what what they're talking about, like the 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 hardest part I think is actually with any of these things is that the they come on these little uh, plastic frames. And yeah, then you have to find the parts that correspond to the ones in the instructions and then separate them from the sprues and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much like making a it, it reminded me of making a car or something like that. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I'm able to do it now. I was not able to do it before. And also now I think like doing it with you or even doing it alone, like it's easier to follow instructions. I can put music on on my phone or yeah. like watch a video in the background. It's easier. It becomes an escape from that hectic nature of day to day life which is whereas as a kid it was just frustration i didn't have music or anything like that it would just be sitting yeah. there in tdm and i did not have any i guess higher uh, or, or, or rather like I, I didn't have any other regular life filled with trouble to, to escape from right or maybe maybe i did but maybe i just didn't realize it as a kid so. I, I i'll be honest with you like a lot of those like those lego kits and stuff like that i, I see them as my kids do them uh there, the instructions are hard to follow. Like, there's a lot of like visual spatial stuff that they kind of expect you to be able to do. Yeah, and not everybody's brains works like that, and so it's going to be more difficult. And I think for a lot of those things, like ideally, like if I were gonna, I, I don't, I wouldn't just hand this to a kid and say like, "Hey, go do this." Like maybe mm -hmm. a teenager, yeah. but I mean, for a younger kid, I think they're going to get frustrated with it for a lot of different reasons if they've never done anything like this before. Even if it's just snapped together, there's no glue. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was the other thing, the glue. I mean, using the glue would get all over the place, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think it's ideally something that you would actually do with an adult, you know, yeah. at least for the initial ones. And that's probably what that's that is what I did with uh, with dad. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I have any of the model kits. I have them somewhere around here. Um, but, you know, we would make like, you know, a 1957 Chevy or, you know, a, a cars like that. and for the most part, I was like finding the pieces and he was like putting it together because it required like the use of tweezers or I remember putting on the decals. I never had the patience to do that as a kid, mm -hmm. but he would do that. And then the painting didn't have the patience to do that as a kid. Uh, and I think a lot of little kids are not going to have the either the fine motor skills or the patience to do stuff like that. 
but a parent could help them with that, you know, a parent could help. Yeah. And that's a and... nice, nice thing to ha- to do with your kids. Yeah. Uh, because you're doing it together. And if you just tell a kid to do that by themselves, like a parent was like, okay, here, I buy this Lego set for you. You go do it. And I get, you know, a break for an hour, but the kid mm-hmm. gets frustrated because they can't follow the directions. And then, then, then they just like, ah, I just destroy it. So I, I think in many ways, like, uh, that's, that has often worked better. I definitely experienced that with my own kids where, you know, you're like, okay, here, here, just take this, you know, and, and and give me a, give me some peace for a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, uh, your son Fletcher, he's really good at doing that. I I mean, yeah. He's really good at feeling sometimes the instructions are not clear. I look at the instructions. And it's really like, hard. I when don't he, fucking know. It's it's really hard when he needs help and you have to like backtrack in your mind. Like, okay, what did he do? And like follow the like correspond the instructions to what he's actually done, and like try to figure out which part is missing. Well, that's really hard. That's really hard because like, sometimes there's like a there's a step that got missed way yeah. back, and you're yeah. like gonna undo all these things. I remember this one, this one set that he got. And it was a model car, and granted, it was for kids that were older, but. I had a lot of trouble with it and he started making it and then he got stuck at one point. I was like, Oh, here we'll try. And I had a lot of trouble following the instructions because it just wasn't really clear. And I think in many cases that leads to frustration for children Mm -hmm. and then they just give up if there's no one to help them with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and spatial awareness and being able to, to like to, to, to figure out where blocks go and assemble them. I, I, I don't know if it's just a difference in brain function. It's like a, maybe like a neural divergent thing or something. I struggle with that. My spatial awareness is really bad. Um, yeah. My ability to visualize things in a three-dimensional space, and even even in terms of like following directions while in a car or just walking sure. around, is really bad. Like yeah. translating what I see on my map on my phone yeah. to directions in real life, I struggle with yes. that. My wife is um, excellent with that, and I I really have a tough time with. with I always go sense yeah, of direction. I I think it's probably something we got from our mom or our dad. It, it, yeah. It's something in brain function, but I go in wrong directions. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> in, in the days in the days before phones yeah. when we had to map quest everything, I would just walk in the wrong direction for like an hour. Um, yeah. back when I drove, yeah, that was that was a problem. Um, and and with Lego. And, video games i get lost in like first person games or even oh, third person yeah. behind the back i get lost which is why if you go back and try to play like the original tomb raider or any game from that era in the 2000s where there wasn't a map at the bottom or or yeah. I, I i struggle i get lost i can't find landmarks i it's very hard for me and it 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 continues uh, in that same vein with legos huh. i i have a tough time wrapping my head around those things but with the 30 minutes missions because it is like a mech based on a human body or it has human dimensions i think it was easier for me yeah um i was able to to kind of be like okay this is the arm and this is the the wrist and this goes into here i had a frame of reference i guess if i was building terrain or something else i might continue to struggle a little bit but with a robot yeah. Um, even it doesn't even have to be a humanoid robot, but like with something based on uh, a biological thing that exists in real life, my mind yeah, like is able a dog to put the pieces together, yeah, like, yeah. like a dog or something like yeah. that. I'm able to put the pieces together. Yeah. And I think that's what made the difference with me. Plus the fact that these are not just blocks, like Lego blocks, they're shapes that yeah. are not just squares and rectangles. And so I'm able to kind of 
see how they fit together more. And so I don't know if this is related to my brain function or something at one point. Like, I think when I went to get my IQ tested as a child, I think there was like a build Lego activity that I just failed in. <laughs> so, well, there was always I, those things like the block. Uh, do you remember those? Uh, we had to take those standardized tests in school where like oh, was the, 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 the block design thing or whatever, you know. Cannot do those. Yeah. Um, but apparently I can I can build a robot. And I, I, I'm going to start with this and maybe move on. You know, maybe I will build a model car one day or something else. Like, I, I am interested in doing that now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, think I, I think I needed a starting point and help push me on that journey. And, and maybe for you, you needed, I, I don't know, maybe a rediscovery point or, or just, uh, you know, something that was not expensive or something that was easier to do. I don't know. It, it, I find it very interesting, this conversation, because it's like reflecting on how our brains have changed since childhood and maybe yeah. ways they haven't changed. Right, right, right. Yeah. I actually, to be honest with you, um, I don't. I think it was last year or something like that. Maybe the year before. Anyway, I got our father for either Father's Day or his birthday. I got him a model ship, and it was uh, it was one of the ships that he had, or I figured that he might have encountered when he. So our father was a, was a sailor actually for a while on the Great Lakes, you know, in the U.S. And uh, I looked around and I found a model ship. Um, because I figured that, that that might be something he would enjoy making. I don't know if he's put it together, but I figure like I, that's the sort of thing I could see him getting into. Like, right, I don't right, know if right. necessarily making sailing ships in bottles, like that sort of like level of uh, commitment. But I could totally see him liking that sort of thing and finding it enjoyable because our father was always tinkering with stuff throughout childhood, uh, mm -hmm. whether it was you know fixing stuff in the house or just you know, making things in the garage. I think we, I think I definitely get a lot of that, the, the tactile hand stuff and the, the tinkering sort of stuff from him. Yeah. I, I have not gotten that stuff from him or if I have gotten it, it's, it's different. It's a slightly different kind of thing. Cause like you'll tinker with other things, you know, like yeah, with, I'll, I'll tinker with other things, uh, you know, I mean, I think with the, with writing and those kind of things like that with it's a different writing kind of with with um yeah yeah with with um with computer stuff i've, yeah. I've tinkered yeah it, it, yeah i i i find i just find myself fascinated with this phenomenon because this is it's all new for me like i i i am maybe getting a bit more confident with the idea of tinkering with things um and you know i don't know josh like i think it could be related to to, I don't. I don't mean to like spill the tea on the podcast, but I think it could just be related to the stress in our household. Like, <laughs> growing up, like I think it could be related to the fact that like if I broke something growing up or like tried to build something and it didn't work out the way it was, like I don't know, I get mad or like mom and dad might get mad at me or something like that, or there'd be a comparison between me and you. I think that probably is a big part of it. Um, <laughs> oh, like, the, the air and the dirty laundry. I, I think. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I think you know breaking something around the house like dad would get pissed at me um not being able to build uh, legos in the same way you did i would feel inferior stuff like that you know i i messing around with electronics like i couldn't do it because i would stand in the garage with dad he would be doing most of the work and i'd find it boring and like it's kind of boring to watch yeah, me, yeah but i couldn't see the bigger picture like i, I feel like that that has a big part to do with it honestly i mean a lot of these things like uh i, I feel like this is a also a generational thing too like there's a huge part of that kind of stuff that has gradually waned like you know you think about the toys that our father grew up with they didn't have legos or whatever but there were model kits and there were rector sets 
and you know making um things like with tinker toys and stuff like that and and so another it's... thing i've gotten kind of interested in erector sets versus i found out in the uk they had something called mechano which is similar to erector similar sets. yeah two, two competing brands like how actually matchbox is european and hot wheels is american they're yeah. all competing brands and i'm kind of getting interested now it's yeah it's, it's cool me. stuff yeah and there's a lot less of it's it's there it's here in the states now there's less and less of it i see a gradual waning of that kind of stuff I mean, I guess just as a frame of reference, you know, when I was growing up, our father was always fixing stuff in the house. You know, the house needed a lot of work. And so I grew up around tools, screwdrivers. I used to carry a screwdriver with me. I, I was probably like th three or four. I did too. With, I did with scare. Too. Yeah. I mean, and it was a uh, flathead screwdriver or Phillips. I think my favorite was the Phillips, which basically is like a, a giant stake. Um, yeah. which would scare everybody because they're yeah. like, you're going <laughs> to fall on that and you're going to poke your eye out. And uh, I think they, I think if I went to someplace like nursery school, they wouldn't allow me to take it because they thought it might be a weapon. And so I just grew up around that stuff. And uh, I liked the colors of the handles. They would have these colorful plastic handles and everything like that. And so I don't know that that would because it was just around. I mean, I, I you know that it was just all over the place, screwdrivers and other tools, and so that idea of fixing things and whatever was just just a part of life, I think. And so I think it was a very easy translation to these things. Whereas I think you know, uh, now if you grow up in a household that doesn't have a lot of that, that would just be a foreign concept. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you I were kind of in the in between because you know I was, by the time I you were born, our house was a little bit more put together. You yeah. know, I was in the in between. I didn't get as much exposure to that, and I think there might have been some element of frustration uh, with you know maybe dad getting mad at me when I used the screwdriver to poke holes in the wall, which he had worked so hard <laughs> to build when you were a kid. Like I think we're all the sum of our experiences, and yeah, I yeah. think you absorbed more of the the, the tinkering skill, and I, I absorbed it in different ways, and. Only now, you know, as a 35-year-old adult, have I kind of gotten familiar with exploring this space. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's manifesting in robots and some other things as well. Like I've, got, I've gotten comfortable with, you know, I also have this fascination with like retro stuff, stuff that's old, nostalgia, you know, it, like stuff that existed before I was born. Um, and that's why I kind of got interested in Dungeons and Dragons. It's kind of why I'm getting into these robot shows now and building models and stuff. And I, I like it also because it, it makes me feel closer to you because you 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 were into a lot of these things as a kid, and I kind of wasn't. But now I'm kind of rediscovering it, and we have something to talk about. And yeah, and yeah. I'm rediscovering and, it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's something to rediscover, uh, vibe with together, and and it's fun. Like it's it's very you know, and it's also something I can talk about with Dad actually because you know a lot of things i like he doesn't really like but i can be like hey i built this robot and he'd be like oh that's a complete waste of time it's kind of cool though like <laughs> that's the sort of thing he would say yeah um like, oh that's interesting oh well, well if you, if you gotta you gotta put glue here it's gonna fall apart like st stuff like that i i feel is is something things that he can understand I mean, even when I told him that I was like playing role playing games, he's like, well, well, can you win money with these things? And I was like, no, not really. But but I explained the concept to him. And he's like, oh, OK. So it's like, you know, so he was like a facilitator. And people are like, yeah, I understand the appeal. And I was able to have like a conversation with him about something that 
<laughs> he was sort of familiar with and could sort yeah, of wrap his head you know, it's the generation. Whereas, like, you know, a lot of other things, it's just, you know, can't really talk to him about. It, it, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, I think, to, to translate these kind of things like that. I think it's easier with a physical object. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a physical object, some kind of a toy. Oh, he likes toys. He was, he, 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 he has he has all these weird fidget toys that he would make in yeah. that he would play with. Remember that thing with the wheel that he would he would just play with when he was sitting in the chair? Stuff that he would mess around with. Like, these are all things that he made for I, who knows yeah. what reason, but I would mystify our I mean, mother. Like, why did you spend I, I, I don't I don't know if he ever I don't know if dad has any form of undiagnosed ADHD or something, but he would always be fidgeting with he was fidgeting with the change in his pockets. Yeah. Um, uh, he needs something to play with to, yeah. to settle his mind. So I don't know, you know. Maybe who knows? As I get older, I've like this whole entire time we've been talking, I've been playing with the the thirty minutes mission Seal Nova that I built, as yeah. well as this Indiana Jones figure that you got me oh, a while yeah. ago. There he is with a gun, as well as this Batman that you repainted for me. I've just been playing with him like this. Oh, I oh. tore his arm off by accident. There we go. <laughs> oh yes, so, the the the. the uh... Yeah, I redid his. I think, is that yeah. the one I redid the face for? Yeah, this is the one you redid. Yeah, I brought it over with me. So. Yeah, I don't know. That, that was a, that's a cool figure, but the way they made him look, he looked like he was uh, he'd gotten like a large anal probe. Yeah, well, that's that's originally. So I made it so he looked a little bit less in pain. So, so yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I think this is fun. I I look forward to building more things. Um, we should do a we should do a, a night where we just build. Maybe you can build a, um, a model and I can build one on this side of the pond and we can, I don't know, maybe record our experiences maybe, or just... Yeah, can you do that? Can you, can... How does that work? you live stream it or something? Or I mean, we don't even need a live stream. We could just be on a Zoom and just on a Zoom. Turn, the, turn the camera down and show each other. It could just be fun. We don't need to make it an official thing. We could just do it for fun and maybe show pic, take pictures as we proceed and oh, yeah, make, another, yeah, yeah. make another podcast yeah. episode talking about how we build it You know, on, on Two different sides, two different countries at the same time. That oh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand how a lot of this, how those the video kind of stuff works, but yeah. No, I, I mean, streaming is streaming is a whole other world, but just just the fun activity that that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that would be actually a lot of fun. Uh, well, actually, so let's see. If if you if someone were to come to you, mm-hmm. someone who had not made these things before, and say like uh i want to i I think i i I think this is kind of interesting i'd like to do this where would you where would you send them would you would you recommend one of these kits would you do something yeah i i think i would recommend a 30 minutes missions kit i would just tell them to google um i would i would send so i i've dropped some links in the chat yeah um and maybe you can share them on the podcast yeah show notes there's also there's also there's a 30 minutes mission subreddit that i found which has which has cool designs, but I would say just go to the um, Google it and then find a model that you like. And there's so many websites that sell these things. I think in the U.S. there's Gundam Planet. Yeah, um, you can buy them on dragon. Amazon. I'm looking at a site in the U.K. now called SuperHobby.co.uk that has mm-hmm. them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and look around for price. Like they might be a bit pricier depending on which website has them because they're importing them usually from Japan or from. Yeah other asian countries but but yeah you can you so i'm I'm yeah i'm, I'm on another site right now oeshop.co.uk you can get some of these for you know 15 pounds which is like 18 19 dollars yeah so 
so yeah, it's, they're, they're not they're not prohibitively expensive um i would suggest just looking at some photos finding a model that you like buy one and then build it like put some music on build it and take a picture and then share it with someone and that, that that's that's kind of, kind of what we've been doing and it's pretty yeah. fun um and i i have found that I shared a bunch of photos of the ones that we built with some of my friends and uh, my friend Herbert, who's obsessed with Gundams. He was like, Oh, that's neat. I built Gundams. I've never built these before. He's a little like full of himself, but then he started getting into like the lore. And so he spent like two hours just reading the Wikipedia thing. He was like, <laughs> Oh, both of you guys chose the, uh, chose the models of the invading forces. He was like knowing all this stuff. And meanwhile, my other, my other friend, Rachel, um, in who still lives in Hong Kong, uh, she built one too. She built the one that transformed into a quad bike and took a yeah. picture of it. And she, uh, there's another line called, um, I showed it to you before, Josh. It's called, I think, Hexa, Hexa Gear. It's a oh, similar okay. sort of thing. Not 30 minutes mission. It's called Hexa Gear. Hexa and gear. Uh, yeah, I showed you a picture of that. It's similar small models that you can build. Um, there's one called the Governor that looks cool. It's like a, it's sort of like a robot sentinel sort of thing. But there's another one. So there's a lot of these. Hexagear is another one that's not really based on an anime or something that you might feel pressure to get into. Um, they're just generic, and so I, I thought that's where that's where I would start. I think, and and I think I I think it's a it's a fun hobby, and I look forward hmm. to delving into it more. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I do as well, and I, I I thank you for kind of like bringing that to my attention. I, yeah, I, and I, I, I would be happy to build a Gundam model. You're watching the show. I've seen some of them, but I'd be happy to build a yeah. Gundam model or a, or a Macross. Like I, like I, like I talked about, I want to watch Robotech at some point and run a little Robotech campaign for you using a system that I found. Oh, that is perfect yeah. for that. Like uh, that, that's what I want to do. That, that's a long-term goal of mine. So I haven't had a chance to yet, but I want to yeah. do that. As, as a frame um, of reference, like the uh, back, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I, there were these, um, it was this Robotech, uh, it turned out to be an RPG uh, player or like a manual for like a yeah, player's handbook. And I bought it thinking it was like, I don't know what I thought. I just, there was so few, so little Robotech stuff. So I bought it, I had no idea what it was. I just like looking at the pictures and I would kind of read it and I'm like, oh, this is a lot of information about the show. It has all these rules that I don't understand. And so it was that the first made its way into your room i don't know yeah the first role-playing game product we own not dungeons and dragons or anything was the robotech rpg by palladium which yeah. is a company that i've since learned was notorious for making these extremely complicated rule books that yeah. was just gonzo over they made one for teenage mutant ninja turtles too wow um, it was it's pretty cool it lets you transform into like your own mutated uh, anthropomorphic creature and whatever it was the only like tmnt thing outside out of the comics for a while before the tv show and yeah. it's just bonkers complicated it's it's, it's balls <laughs> to the wall wild like palladium the company like just has an opportunity uh sorry uh, um, a reputation for for making this sort of thing okay that's what i that's what i like every everyone i talk to i'm like hey you know my first rpg was actually the robotech robotech rpg They're like oh wow <laughs> starting in at the deep end so. i mean you had no idea like you know you just there, there was no way of knowing at the time like you just see like a thing in the magazine and it looked i was like i don't know that looks cool i guess i'll get that you know so yeah i think that is another thing that's going on right now like these things that i could not understand in the past that we saw in magazines that we didn't have money for we just could not figure out we're both capable of understanding them now yeah and like figuring out how to enjoy them which is you know it's it's the whole part of the 13th hour podcast it's there you go being there creative you go. rediscovering your childhood 
I mean, yeah, it's like now you can be like, oh, that's what that's all about. And I think yeah. the a, a part of that was from Die Tarn Three. <laughs> yeah, that's what the yeah. Where you know you're like, well, wouldn't it be wouldn't it have been fun to be a part of that at the time when it was actually popular? But I mean, there was other things. Obviously, we did experience. Yeah, there was. You there know, was other but, things, and so and I don't know. Like, I think it's also fun to rediscover something and realize that there was this whole world that you kind of missed, but now you actually have the wherewithal to buy stuff related to it get into it you know it, it, it's a different kind of experience and right. i don't think it's any any lesser than the one of being there when it happened yeah well uh that that's a, a probably a good place to wrap up so you'll see like the uh the links that we talked about in the show notes there's a whole bunch of pictures that we took as we were making these on the uh on the dining room table where of the robots that we made and uh they they get they uh we, we posed them and uh and mm -hmm. quite, uh, and you, you'll see the articulation. It's actually quite, it's quite good. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you're into that sort of thing, if you like, uh, if you've played around with action figures, and you're like, well, maybe I could make my own. This is a very easy entry point into it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Jeremy, where can people go to find you? Uh, you can. I don't know. You know, I don't know where you can find me anymore because Twitter has kind of turned into shite. Um, Twitter X. is called X oh. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still on there. Yeah. Um, Pixel Grotto, P-I-X-E-L-G-R-O-T-T-O. -T -T There's links to my website there. I got writing in a couple different corners of the internet. Um, Let's not forget your Tumblr. Yes, let's not forget my Tumblr, pixelgrotto.tumblr.com, where I've been blogging about video games since 2013. Yeah. Um, and uh, non-pornographic content on non Tumblr. Non-pornographic content on Tumblr. <laughs> um, and I, I, I contribute to role-playing games as well. By the end of this year, October... Is it October? No, November. No, yeah. December. In December of this year, uh, my first contributions to a, a published Pathfinder book will be out in print. That'll be cool. Oh, that's very that'll exciting. be very. That'll be very exciting. exciting. So I, I've got I've got stuff coming up. Um, but yeah, I'm on, I'm still on the shitter, aka the Twitter for now. There's a new social media service called Blue Sky that a lot of people have been navigating to. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, is, that the, is that the thing that people are jumping ship to? From? It's, it's the thing that looks almost exactly like Twitter, yeah. but is it's like Twitter from five years ago. I have an invite if you want. I have a code. You need a code to get uh -oh. it to, to log on. I have one. I can give you if you want it. Okay. Um, is it? Is it like what's the? Is it the, just like the a... appeal? Is it's Twitter but not run by Elon Musk? I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's it's smaller, and I don't know. You can take a look at it. Like it's 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 like it's like how Twitter was uh, ten years ago. I think. Uh oh. I guess in the main appeal is it's free of Elon Musk inter interference at, at, the, at this moment in time. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have a code. I have a code. I yeah. sent I sent two codes to our Estonian friends already because oh, they nice. wanted yeah. them. So at least you'll have people to potentially follow. I don't know yeah. if they've used them actually. You might not have used them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that's a whole other subject. I don't you know. Who knows? But, um, but yeah. Uh, that that's certainly interesting. Yeah, to to uh, it would be interesting to connect with you there. So, um, and then uh, you have a you have a like a portfolio, online portfolio, which I yeah, use I have an online portfolio, which you'll see, which yeah. is uh, pixelgrotto.card. See, I think it's see. Excuse the shaking. That's my dog in the background. Uh, dot card c a r d dot c o. That's my portfolio. Yeah. So gotcha. you can. You can find my works there. 
Yes. And many other episodes of the 13th Hour Podcast. Yes. So thank you for joining me and uh, delving into this. And uh, we will meet again. Probably we might do another one where we talk about a movie this time, I think. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take care, Jeremy. See you later. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important, even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully, by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, That's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week.